0: Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, Technical Editor here at Bike Radar. Uh, And on today's podcast, we're doing something slightly different. Um, I don't know if you can hear the wind uh, in the mic, but I am actually out and about on a bike. Um, and today I'm riding around the Forest of Dean with Fergus from Countryfile magazine. So we um, we thought we'd uh, have a chat to Fergus and take things slightly slower, perhaps. So not slower, but <laughs> uh, instead of our usual uh, high-tech look at the world of cycling, we're going to have a look at the natural world and try and see what we might be able to spot out in the forest where usually we'd we'll be out mountain biking or road cycling. So.
1: Um, Hi, Fergus. Oh, how are you um, getting on? Yeah, great. Really good. I mean, uh, yes, sedate. I'm sorry to drag you down. Really, no. With much of my sort, of, I'm more like a rural vicar pottering along. But <laughs> um, this is my sort of cycling. Yeah, oh, I love it. It's. Uh, we're
0: it's on a um, we're on a pair of e-bikes. We've got um, two of the new Specialized Turbo Teros, um, which uh, I did a little news story on a few months ago, um, and we'll be reviewing on site. But. Um, they're an ideal way of getting around the countryside and this
1: is your first time on an e-bike, it, isn't it? It is. It's a, it's a complete revelation to me. <laughs> I, I, I do cycle. cycle for mostly for work, zipping around the city, uh, getting from the station to my office. Not a very pleasant experience. This is joyful and, to be honest Tom, I don't really cycle that much when I'm exploring the countryside because I kind of think I just want to dawdle and listen yeah but actually something that takes all the effort away like this (laughs) has sight changed my view yeah I'm kinda I mean you know we're cycling through a winter winter woodland and yeah we're bobbing downhill now but I I feel like I can listen to the bird song and take in things Mm -hmm. because I'm not straining (laughs) yeah
0: and that's kind of uh, we're going to come up to a road here so well maybe we should wait till we're off the road yeah yeah So so as um, Fergus alluded to just there, we, well, today we're going to try and have a look around the forest and see what we might see. Now, Fergus, you're you're a bit of an expert on, (laughs) well, on birds and nature and and stuff, and I'm definitely not, so... Well, we've just
1: just literally just heard some great tits singing back there, little two-note songs. Um, Although it is minus two or something at the moment, and it is the depths of January, that is little sign that they're beginning to wake up for the breeding season and we'll probably hear some other birds just beginning to start there most most birds tend to do all their singing in spring uh-huh. uh, as part of their sort of territorial displays and attracting a mate but we tend to think of spring starting in march really but for now in the forest they're already thinking about it on these yeah, when it's not miserable, when it's not really, really raining, they're beginning to the, the sap is rising for the uh-huh. birds, and they. So we probably hear a few. There's a little. In fact, there's a blue tit just bombed across in front of us. But there's a lot of good stuff in the forest here. It's a really ancient woodland. Um, I don't know a huge amount of. It's, I mean, you probably visit it more than I do, but uh, I've come here a lot for the wildlife and found some some wonderful sounds you know, and songs and
0: what what sort of thing would you you know i say when you know when i come i'm, I'm sort of concentrating more on the, the single track in front of me yeah yeah um well, so what what could i expect to see
1: if i sort of look around a little bit more well you've got a lot of woodpeckers here i think you've got all three species including uh a, a little tiny sparrow sized woodpecker called the lesser spotted woodpecker which is like a if you see one of them it's, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a, it's a red letter day right. but um there are a whole host of rare woodland birds there's, a, there's some lovely well in spring you get these migrants called redstarts and pied flycatchers not that common mm-hmm. but really sweet beautiful birds the pied flycatcher's black and white bird right really handsome looking creature and the redstart looks like a robin but with like a bandit mask on its face okay and it's uh, and if it was a bit more common and it was with us all year round, it would probably replace the robin as our national bird because it's such a beautiful thing. Oh, really? Is it, is it common or...? It's common up in, you know, from here and further west into, um, into Wales and, and the northwest. It likes these... It loves these oak woodlands, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, what else have we got? We've got a wild boar in the forest. You've probably seen some of them on your cycle rides. Yeah,
0: every now... I reckon two or three
1: times a year I'll so, come across... This is just sorry, just oh. a little uh, noisy mixed flock of tits and finches. Uh-huh. In winter, they like to forage together. Some people putting up bird, fe- bird feeders. They like to forage together. Uh uh-huh. safety in numbers. Yeah. Um. So sorry. Yes, we we're talking boar. Mm, boar. Yeah. No. I mean,
0: the forest of Dean is obviously famous for its boar. They were illegally reintroduced in uh, the late 1990s, early 2000s. I think. Some escaped from a farm, oh, yeah, okay. um, and then there were some that were, sure. I think, dumped. A herd was dumped by some people who decided they no longer wanted their boar, yeah. and there's now hundreds board, board of them. Bored of their boar. <laughs> Bored of their boar, so yeah, there's now hundreds of boar sort of running around, and occasionally, especially if you go like night riding, you know, we go out riding with sort of powerful lights, but so we can have a slightly different experience. Um, you'll see a little family of boar yeah. and you stay away from them because um, the, the mums especially are quite aggressive at times.
1: Oh okay, yeah, you, you stay well clear, you wouldn't want to hit one when you're cycling no. at 25 k. No. Another thing that I would love to point out if we get up high is, um, and might be visible today, it might be a little bit early in the year but you never know. Uh, Forest of Dean's got a really good population of goshawks, which are like okay. super-powered sparrowhawks. These are big, fast, powerful hunters, uh, birds of prey. And they will eat squirrels, they'll take oh, really? big pigeons, they'll take crows. They, they, they're they like ambush hunters. They So these sort of big forest rides we're on, they use as their sort of hunting channels, and they'll look for Pretty much anything they can overpower they'll take owls even they're uh-huh. sort of they're big strong birds so and they'll
0: be yeah. using the tracks that we're riding along as navigation aids almost well, more,
1: more just sort of ambush rings. so they'll okay. be flitting along the sides of here in and out of these trees see that blackbird yeah will be down on that wow uh, and they are but th- this time of year and, and a little bit till sort of march they do these lovely display flights over the tops of the trees um, displaying to their mates. Uh, there's a jay just gone to That's a nice woodland bird. Uh-huh. It's actually very pinkish. If you, you can't we've, re-
0: we've just well, it seems like there's a few more birds. But we're just by Canop Ponds, which is
1: yeah, covered um, in ice.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a slightly less popular bit of uh, of the woods. Well, it's still popular, but it's it's less visited, I guess. And it's yeah, there's a series of ponds, and they're currently iced over, which is. Quite like my fingers right now,
1: <laughs> yes. which I think are about to drop yeah, off. Yeah, my nose is feeling a bit like that. There's a few wildfowl on there. Yeah, it's quite a good. I think a lot of bird birders come here. I think it's quite f- popular with fishermen, yes. anglers. <clears throat> there's a couple of coots down there on the water with their white noses. Uh-huh. They're a nice little uh, no, one of the noisiest. Pu- they punch their weight as uh, as little water birds. Gosh, yeah. there's a lot of ice on there.
0: And there's, there are some fishermen there, um, handily camouflaged from the fish who i sure, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> in their dark greens yeah. and brown clothing. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know what you go for this time. Yeah, I think deep winter is pike fishing time, maybe. Yeah. So there might be some pike in there that they I... yeah. it's properly frozen as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, this is incredible. So I know can puns, there's
0: um, a stone uh, mason here. Yes, Corrie, um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of industry, sort of historically in the Forest of Dean, uh, iron and steelworks and charcoal and and coal. There's actually a little coal mine over there that we'll pass later on. That's um, amazing. Yeah. But I know this area mostly because the hill that we can see there is riddled with about 15 really rather good um, mountain bike tracks. So <laughs> those, uh, those you know well. And yeah, I, ride, I park there uh, quite often and I'll ride in that little bit of woodland
1: most weeks. And that's proper that's proper uh, sort of forest cycling down those single track yes, paths. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So stuff that might make me go a bit weak at the knees I reckon.
0: <laughs> stuff that um maybe you wouldn't take on on, on sort
1: of uh, early on in your riding. <laughs> You're very <laughs> generous. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we're on this inc- just just a wonderful straight path through the, through on the one side conifers and then this sort of open oak woodland and it's it's a real kind of proper taste of the forest of Dean here. This is probably what I seen before because you've got a good long view of, of um, right out into the forest. I'd be surprised if we don't see any today, but there we go. I've, I've often drawn a blank before.
0: <laughs> I don't, I, last time I was here I saw quite a few deer around, and just like little, I'm not sort of affair okay with my deer species, but they had like a little white bum.
1: Oh yeah, okay. A um,
0: little bopping around, a little family. And also came across some highland cattle, which I wasn't quite expecting, but um, there seems to be a little
1: herd somewhere in the forest. They may be using some of these grazers, particularly the cattle, not the deer. The deer will be wild, but the cattle may be used for sort of clearing some of the uh-huh. glades and things like that. It's like creating habitat for other species. Mm. One thing you do get in the in winter, in there's um, another bird, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm not afraid. I'm very <laughs> proud. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, is a, a winter visitor. There's something called a great grey shrike, also known as a butcher bird, and it's it's not that big. It's smaller than a magpie, but quite a quite a predator, and it will. What well, it's known as the butcher bird because it catches small birds, lizards, um, uh, rodents, and. Impales them on thorns, really, on tops of thorn bushes, and then it comes Sort of has its larder, right? And so, oh, to so like, not to kill the animal, it doesn't like. Oh, it kills them and then it then it hangs, okay, hangs so them a... up, a bit like a, a butcher will hang it in, right, his, in okay, his cool yeah. room. Yeah, the carcasses of animals. So the the great grey shrike does that, and it, they tend to hang around the big open glades where they can see lots of you know, see lots of activity, and then they dart down i've 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 been here watching a bit of a a warmer day in spring to be to be fair watching one catch about 50 lizards wow and just hanging them out to dry yeah just hanging them up i mean i didn't see he ate most of them actually it's amazing how many they can put away yeah small bird how do you identify all these birds like i mean
0: uh, I can occasionally see, like you know, I know what a robin looks like, and yeah, uh, um, I can sort
1: of vaguely understand what like a, a blue tip might be. But well, you... I'm, f- I'm 50, so I've spent quite a lot of time, uh, a lot of time as a kid actually. I, I I grew up in the countryside, so I really spent a lot of time just looking. And at first, I thought everything was a starling, as uh-huh. I, I thought everything was just brown. And, and then I got to see that there were so many different species out there and it just added to every walk I went on just to be able to sort of identify and understand what was around me and Mm -hmm. it's got grown from there and I started to learn the bird songs sort of by osmosis just knowing how that chaffinch makes that sound and uh, do all the common ones and then you start to hear new new sounds start to work out what they are and by the end of it I mean I'm not particularly brilliant at that but Uh, I'll just do that one again I'm not there are people who are a billion times better than me can identify even a bird from its tiniest little chirrup but most songs I can get these days and it just for me, it means I don't have to squint looking into the trees and kind of go that's a that's a red start that's a song thrush that's a whatever and it just gives me a sense of it just adds adds to my joy of a walk really or a cycle ride even Mm. they're going up a hill now and this would have me puffing normally
0: (laughs) this had me puffing at the weekend (laughs) i came up here a few days ago and uh
1: on a a normal on a
0: non-assisted bike bike and uh maybe about 40 kilometers into a a fairly fast paced ride with some friends and uh (laughs)
1: certainly got us uh, breathing heavily yeah so how much time do you spend out on a on a bike I mean, this is your number one thing you love doing isn't
0: it yeah i mean if we you know so within my job my, my role is to test and review bikes and so that kind of cycling is different to the leisure or like the the really fun kind of riding I would do if that if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, so it's work. Yeah. Work riding is different from fun riding. If I'm work riding, sort of my focus really is on identifying sort of the key attributes of the bike I'm riding and maybe the differences from another bike. Yeah. And so most of the time I'll bring two or three bikes with me for a day and I'll do maybe Ooh half an hour on one bike, half an hour on another bike, half an hour on the first bike, half an hour on the second bike. Because that sort of back-to-back testing is where you really start to identify the key differences. And you learn more doing it like that, rather than just, you know you could ride a bike for a thousand miles, and unless you've got context against other bikes, you're not really going to learn much. Uh, If I'm out sort of for fun, then, well, it depends on what the weather's doing. Yeah. <laughs> it might be for an hour. It might be all day, and I guess, how, you, how do you measure that? Usually I'd be on a mountain bike ride, quite often um, I'd measure a ride in vertical height gain. Right, or okay. Or how, how many vertical meters of descending I've done. Morning. Morning. And I'd say my average weekend ride is between 1,000 and 1,500 meters. Oh, in, in yeah, a in Yeah. A, a, of a cent in a day, which is a fairly chunky day.
1: Yeah, that's, well, put it into context, that's two pennavans. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Um, and that'll be mostly
0: made up of uh, loops of a hill or a few hills, maybe 200 metres at a time. Yeah. And then if I want to go out for like a, a long day, then, you know, I may well be out eight or nine hours and on a mountain bike. I'd converted him from 40 to even 180. Well, I think I did 180k okay last year on one ride.
1: Really, gosh, that's, and that's a long old. Uh,
0: yeah, that's not average. But so yeah, uh, anything. But that would be a loop, coming back to your car, or, or so, well, that particular ride, I, I rode from Bristol down to Salisbury Plain, did a lap of the plane with a friend, and then rode home. Uh,
1: Gosh, it's um, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I love Salisbury Plane. I think it's one of the greats. Yeah, it's an amazing epic, place. Epic place. to. place. What a great way to explore it as well, because it is a big area. And uh, what you said earlier about range, uh, I'm sometimes... I get a bit frustrated. I mean, I love walking, but I dawdle because I get distracted. Yeah. And then I find that I haven't managed to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I've not reached my points of interest that I really wanted to... But with a bike like this, even an old asthmatic gifter <laughs> like me can uh, can get around. And that's yeah.
0: Yeah, it makes it like We're we're heading up towards um, New Fancy
1: Hill. New, new Fancy View. <laughs> new Fancy View. sorry, yeah. Well, I know New Fancy View. Yeah. Well, this this is where we might get our goshawks. Yes. If we if we if we if we're going to see them anywhere, this is it. Hello. So um, this is, well this is New Fancy View, you've obviously cycled up here before, it's only by accident. But right. yes. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, normally this is full of bird birders, but we're probably at slightly the wrong time of year. For There's a linnet going over actually at the moment, that, that bird over there. Oh yeah, so what's that? That's, That's looks... a small finch, um, Okay. and that is a uh, bird of sort of farmland really, mm-hmm. but it will be, it'll, you know, be found around the sort of scrubby edges. Not a very common bird these days, used to be super common, used to be millions and millions of them, there's probably low millions now in Britain, uh-huh. but, uh, which sounds like a lot, but compared to tens if not hundreds of millions, it's that nice little bird. So yeah, a long time since I've been here, uh, this is the watch point for goshawks, so we're looking, I guess this is north towards Cinderford, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, yep. Cinderford, a little hilltop town in the forest for those that don't know it and if we were here probably even like three or four weeks time or even today if it was really sunny and there were a few thermals we would probably see little specks above some of the distant woods and if we got our binoculars on them they would turn out to be buzzards and goshawks doing their display flights Mm -hmm. and I came here once and there were about 30 or 40 birds up in the air and there was lots of disagreement amongst the people here. Like, is that a buzzard? Is that a goshawk? And unfortunately, I was standing by someone who could tell the difference. Cause I, but a goshawk is the size of a buzzard. But as I say, real sort of punchy bird. How, like, how big is I mean, yeah, right, are we talking. Wingspan is. Just under a metre? A metre and a half. Oh, wow. Something like that? Yeah, I mean. I will need to check that because I'm just yeah yeah. You know, I'm, I'm still but they're, a bit they're high big, they're from big cycling. birds. <laughs> <laughs> I might be exaggerating. Too. They are really big birds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. buzzard is a yeah. A buzzard is is yeah, often gets mistaken. It's called the tourist's eagle for a good for right, a good okay. reason. People go to Scotland and say they've seen lots of lots of eagles. They, they can appear really big. Uh huh. Big broad wings. Uh, Goshawk. Sort of rounded wing tips, so that so. You sometimes see falcons from up here. They've got very, very thin wings, Mm -hmm. pointed wings, because they fly fast and they stoop from up high. Uh, But the goshawk has rounded wings so it can fit through the trees. And so it can sort of, it's basically, the only time you really see it soaring is when it's doing its display flights and kind of going, look at me. Uh Uh, Am I not handsome? (laughs) You want to settle down with me sort of thing. And they... uh, and they'll go and nest in some of these tall trees deep in the deep in the forest. Some of these conifer stands that we can see will have a nice big tree in the middle, that mm-hmm. they'll, they'll nest. And they'll spend the rest of the year. You do see them. I mean, I, I lived in a conifer for, in a house in a conifer forest for a while, and I saw goshawks quite regularly. But you see the remains of their prey: squirrels, and uh, wood pigeons, and crows, and all sorts of things. So. Uh, Really impressive bird, mm-hmm. and uh, but I don't think we're going to see one today.
0: What else sort of can we can we see? Right there? If we sort of look at the sort of the trees and the landscape, yeah. What what kind of things would you be looking at sort of as, as points of interest in, in what we can see here? There's obviously there's pine forests. There's yeah, some
1: deciduous. There's some stuff that's been forested.
0: There's cinderford yeah. down
1: there. So like this stuff here has been recently cut down here, where you can see there's a big gap between. Uh, between stands of conifers. Uh-huh. That's growing back with what looks like birch, which is a deciduous tree. drops its leaves in winter, you can see. But it's the fastest coloniser for some of those clear-felled areas. There's a big clear-fell mm. up, up on the hill there. That will f- fill in really quickly. In fact, the bit beside it is filled in really yep. quickly with, I think it's birch, it may be. Yeah, yeah it's birch that's just sort of swept in there. It's the first tree to, to make it in, and eventually the oaks will come in. And okay, long after we're dead, it'll be a beautiful deciduous woodland again. Right, and,
0: uh, because the, the coniferous stuff isn't particularly natural around here.
1: It's planted. It's quite square blocks here, mm. and it's you know Forest of Dean, as you can see, if it, it's from horizon to horizon, it's a very impressive woodland. But it is a lot of it is managed for forestry, mm. and it always has been. In fact, I think a lot of it was planted. Or managed in ancient times for shipbuilding. Yes, uh, I think. I mean, I, think I don't t- know enough about the history.
0: Here. The Tudors did. They used a lot of forest from here for their ships, and they were mm. built sort of down towards Lydney and um, up to Gloucester and stuff on the on the Severn. It's a shipbuilding, so you, yeah. had, you
1: had your big forest and you could, uh, you could.
0: Yeah, and obviously they used you know the charcoal for the iron and smelting yeah. and, and and stuff like that as well. And my, I did a, a course at university on the management of Scotland's environment. We did a little bit on the Forestry Commission, obviously it was set up sort of post-World War One. I, I think pre-World War One, there was a lot of forestry used for shipbuilding and for all that sort of stuff and they felt that if there was going to be another war they would need lots of um, fast-grown timber um, obviously so that's why I guess the, the FC sort of came into existence was to provide that for what eventually became World War II but they ended up using
1: metal didn't they for, <laughs> for their ships. So. <laughs> yeah yes it's uh, that's interesting i mean that, and a lot of these forestry blocks are remnants of all that kind of mm. surge of planting and i think that's
0: interesting the 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 change, obviously the fc has had to change its tack a little bit in, in more recent years a, a lot of the cycling centers or trail centers as they're called in mountain biking are in forestry commission places obviously it's it's, it's, you know, it's publicly owned you know they have to diversify where they're getting their money from, and they're using a lot of these pine forests for mountain bike trails because I guess there, a lot of them aren't particularly diverse in a, in a natural sort of sense. You know, there's rarely a trail centre on an SSSI, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, that's really that's there's a lot of things you touched on there, which I think are r- really interesting. Like, forestry mission is very open to visitors and mm. kind of has a real responsibility or it feel it feels its responsibility to welcome walkers cyclists and others who mm-hmm. you know, might come in and um conifers has <laughs> so much controversy i know people who say oh, who love conifers mm-hmm. and will defend them to the and say they have a real place i think they've got an interesting atmosphere There are some really interesting species that live in conifer woods, particularly sort of fungi if you want to Uh chase around birds in the treetop. There's, but give me a nice deciduous woodland. I think you're going to take me to Nags Head, aren't you? Which is a proper old... uh, Proper ancient forest. Ancient forest, yeah. So there's pockets of ancient forest in the whole of the forest, and that's where we'll see. If if we're going to see anything today, Mm -hmm. uh, beyond the little birds that we've seen, it'll be in Nags Head.
0: And when when we talk about these ancient forests, are they predominantly deciduous, like oaks and things like that? Yeah, it'll
1: be, that's sort of, I mean, we don't really have a lot of native conifer trees apart from the Scots pine Mm -hmm. um, and juniper and yew and that sort of thing. There's there's not a lot of, (laughs) juniper is our our favourite word, Um, Tony juniper, the great, we'll cut that bit out. yeah, so we don't have, yeah, a lot of this, you yeah, Sp- Sitka spruce or uh, Douglas fir or, or all stuff from North America or Scandinavia. So it's not really, it, it doesn't have that ancient. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's that, that harmonious relationship with the native wildlife. There are lots of things that w- will thrive in conifer woodlands. Um, and red squirrels do well, in, not, not around here, but in other parts of Britain and conifers. Uh, Goldcrests, goshawks, lots of things love it. But that that like millennia, year, millions of years of evolution. We'll go to the Sitjus Woodland to see all the kind of from tiny, tiny, tiny little invertebrates to to the to the deer. It's 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 a much Bigger suite of creatures and yeah. interests. Uh, for, for my, if I want a moody walk in dark woodlands, uh-huh. I'll go to a conifer woodland. Right. <laughs> I don't often want a moody walk in dark <laughs> woodlands. I want to be full of, I want to be filled with life and joy. Yeah. So, um, but please do write in if you disagree, <laughs> editor at countryfile. dot com. <laughs> happy to, uh, happy to argue that one. There is something interesting here. This fluffy white thing on the. Um, on the tops of these sort of scrubby, thorny bushes mm-hmm. is uh, the seed heads of a cl- wild clematis, but okay. known as Old Man's Beard, or Traveler's Joy, uh-huh. because it was always a sort of a sign that you were reaching civilization, or after a long tr- long journey, that this would be growing on the hedgerows of a village coming up, that you're coming up to. That's a bullfinch down there, That little high-pitched. Uh-huh. Red-breasted bird, very, very beautiful bird. But uh, pretty sure that's a bullfinch.
0: Um, well, why would this stuff be near villages, though? Why would I it not it be in the middle just, of nowhere? Is it because there's hedgerows there? Just or? the
1: way that yeah, because they were they were um, part of the. I think they were woodbine. There's something about it that was used by uh, sort of medieval mm-hmm. folk. Um, so yeah, rather like nettles, they're a sign of sort of human habitation mm-hmm. and. But I like oh, I like old man's beard better.
0: <sighs> and is it are these rose hips? Yeah, the rose red hips, berries. Yeah,
1: little little, little berries. Looks yeah. like it's been heavily plundered by the birds here, so there's not a uh-huh. many of them left. But
0: is that a positive sign that yeah, they're, they're being eaten because yeah, of the birds
1: around? Good, 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 good winter forage for the birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's been quite a good rose hip here, so that's that's keeping a lot of the bigger thrushes full and wood pigeons and all that <laughs> sort of thing. They love. Her. Which will then
0: feed you your in Gosh here. Hawks, yeah, there we yeah, go.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a hoarfinch, I think. God, if that's a... oh. I think there's a hoarfinches. That's a really good bird. Yeah? I mean, we're seeing it. Nah, it's just a little black silhouette but just its song is, I hope we're still I don't know if that would have picked it up on the, the pal mic probably not I need to check that when I get home but that, that's a it's a big orange finch about, I mean there's lots of finches here about that big and it's got a bill it's got like the strongest jaw muscles of any bird I think oh wow so a small bill it can, it can crush these, like, cherry stains or... It would get pit. through your finger then? It would do a nasty, really nasty bit of work. Here, huh. A bit like pliers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so basically its head is like that and then its bill just comes straight out. So unlike right, yeah, okay, a yeah. bird normally, it's like bills here. It's just like sort of... Straight from the top of the forehead yeah, down to the chin. And it's all bill. Yeah. Beautiful bird, but really rare. Really rare. And there's There's just a small population here, but they are seen from here yeah. quite often, so... Is it true It's that probably me hoping more than anything? <laughs> but it, it sounds unlike anything else. So yeah. I think that's probably the only other bird it can be.
0: Is it true that robins are little bastards? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, wow. yeah, well, they can. They're pretty brutal to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah They can fight to the death occasionally. Wow. Yeah, they get a bit sort of get a bit testy, a bit a bit aggro. Yeah, yeah, um, very territorial. Little bastards. Small birds in general. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So, this is a super steep hill which I'm quite nervous about going down. But you just gotta go! Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was quite. um. So, we're doing a bit of a sort of mountain bike trail here. I'm flying behind Tom, who uh, was flying more confidently. Bloody hell. It's easy, to, it's, it's easy to get carried away. I can see why you like flying downhill on that uh, So that was a really good demonstration of just the, the simple power of these things. And uh, I was interested in what you were saying that the the motor of Jack's bike comes, is is the windscreen wiper motor from a, from a vehicle, from a yeah. HGV.
0: So they've obviously gone through a lot of uh, iterations over the years. I guess uh, e-mountain bikes have been popular or in sort of fast growth for five, six or seven years you now. Let me have a look at my map very quickly. Okay. Because as ever again, potentially gone so quite you've got, wrong.
1: You've actually got a little map on your computer on your on your bike.
0: Yes, so I basically have it's um made by Garmin, who okay. obviously make a lot of the um Car navigation systems. Uh, and yeah, so this is uh, one of their their um, head units. It's got like a colour screen. Um,
1: well, let's have a look. Oh, that's great. I love all this tech. Gosh, it's a great little map. Yeah, you can.
0: Yeah, so it, it has, you know, there's plenty of detail on there and you can, uh, it's, it shows where you've been, where we are, um, where we're meant to be going, <laughs> which is this way. Well I see. Okay. Um, and it can make routes for you, so I, I could put into this, I want to ride, I'm at a certain place and I want to ride 40 kilometers, and it'll create a route for me, or there's plenty of services on the internet, so Strava is obviously the most popular one, which a lot of people have heard of, it's like a tracking thing, but with mapping, um, or commute. So I went on to Strava yesterday and created uh, this loop, um, and then transported it from my computer onto this little Garmin. Um, so we've it got a little the screen on the way here. Yeah. yeah. And because I was in the wrong screen setting, it's, uh, I've got that have missed the junction.
1: So we'll we'll head back the way we just came. Oh right, okay. I, I would say, curse you! It's uphill, but it doesn't it matter, does it? On these bikes, it's great.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, Again, I've, from an ex- sort of an exploring point of view, e-bikes. You know, I say you can do a lot of laps of the hill in a compressed yeah. amount of time. But also, you know, if you're new to an area, often on a, a human-powered bike, if you take a wrong turning up a hill. And you find that there's nothing there. It's a real pain because yeah. you've just expended a lot of energy going somewhere, which isn't very interesting. Whereas with an e-bike, well, you might not have expended all that energy. So you yeah. can,
1: they're a great way to explore like a new riding area. So you put panniers on this, these bikes and then you can sort of put in a, put, put a picnic. I mean, there's oh. me thinking of the sort of lazy man. Yeah,
0: no, of. totally. This, the, so these, uh, the turbo uh, taro that we're on, So this is part of specialised... Kind of in between range, so they have like very dedicated, um, super tech, high performance mountain bikes. Yeah. Um, they have um, like town bikes, and the Tero is part of like this in between range. So it's got your knobbly tyres, um, but it's got a slightly more upright, comfortable geometry. Yeah. So the shape of the bike puts you in a, an upright position that isn't particularly aggressive, it's easier on your back, you can have your head up high, you can look around. Yeah. Um, We've got suspension forks at the front, so if you hit like a, a rock in a trail, it's not going to be too jarring, um, and I'd say those, the tyres are probably about 2.3 inches wide, um, and they can be run at fairly low pressures, which really helps smooth the ride, but these ones do have um, all the mounting points at the back of the frame uh, to attach a pannier rack to them if you want, See. and mud guards as well.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So these are really like an ideal kind of bike for, you know, this is what they're built for. Going out to the countryside, taking on some dirt roads, maybe some little narrow tracks if you want as well. Yeah, Um, it feels feels like you can tackle anything. Just right here,
1: actually. Oh, okay. So more of a grassy track here. This is interesting. This looks familiar, this bit to me. Oh yeah? I I think this is, um, those butcher birds that I was talking about, this is the sort of territory they like. Uh Uh, Uh-huh. There will be some around, it's just... ...with shrikes. The the, the, the best thing to do if you ever really think, is there anything around? Just look for a group of people with binoculars or scopes. (laughs) And they'll have found it. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the territory either side of this lane, this track, it's completely, it's like it's been ploughed by wild boar. Yeah, I was going to ask is obviously on the to the left we've got
0: deciduous trees, yeah. Um, looks <laughs> like fairly
1: natural, yeah. And on th- the right, th- I, th- I think it is. On the right, we've got an area that's obviously been felled, yeah. That looks like it's conifer. There's a bit of regrowth of conifer there as well. So, I think this is, yeah, this is a sort of. This would have been a little conifer stand in the middle. There's, there's some birches coming through. D- this d- it's been caught felled quite a time ago.
0: Is, this a, is it good for the wildlife to have this variety? Yeah, of, yeah um,
1: really, that's a good point. I, it really is good to have these open areas. And One speciality of the forest in these open areas is a very strange bird called the night jar, which is nocturnal, as its name suggests. Uh-huh. I might just hold fire saying anything yeah. else as we go down sickly bumpy I might get a softer saddle neck if I get a, <laughs> get <an> either <EVA. laughs> you're you're very generously taking the rough the rough route there ah. Tom well, I, uh, I've got the smooth bit
0: I feel I feel a slight level of responsibility right now for, <laughs> not just to yeah. you
1: but Jack as well whose Good. bike is um yeah Jack's the most precious most valuable <laughs> yeah. commodity um yeah, night jars love those open spaces and they have this eerie, strange sort of electronic call called a chur, uh-huh. which rises on a summer's evening. Really one of the eeriest things you'll ever hear in nature, but because it's nocturnal and maybe maybe on your night rides next time you're out here on, a, on a, like a June evening, uh-huh. listen for something... Whirring out of the out of the um, out of the forest, it, it's extraordinary. In fact, we've we've got them in a couple of podcasts, and uh, it's it's magic, really. But they like they like the glades, and there's quite a few birds that really like that that like a bit of openness. Yeah, they dart back into the forest for safety, but the open glades tend to have a few more insects, a few more wildflowers, tend to be a bit more. Biodiverse, so you, so, you kind of need that mix in a forest like this. Can you tell us a little bit about your
0: podcast then? Of so on. you know, if, you, if you're listening to the Bike Radar podcast, you're probably used to listening to a lot of tech news and reviews and, and opinions on bikes. But what what could we expect on the on the Countryfile
1: yeah, podcast or the podcast? Yeah, the podcast. We um, we just go for adventures in nature, really, uh, trying to. I mean, my ideal podcast is a little quest, either to find some sort of magical historical site with a story, and a tale attached to it, uh-huh. or find a rare species. It might be it might be a wildflower, it might be an orchid, but generally, it's something that we can pick up on and, and broadcast back to people. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, we we've gone in search of nightingales, one of the most tuneful and Culturally, sort of, more poems and more music's been written about nightingales than almost any other bird. It's right. an amazing thing. Quite a few siskins here, actually, singing in the trees. Um, yeah, that would be it. It's really, though, an opportunity to take people out into the countryside when you can't get there. You know, uh-huh. you're stuck on the train, stuck in... There's got to be, you know, if there's
0: hundreds or thousands of people rocking up to a forest over a weekend, riding bikes and yelping and hollering and having a good time, which is what we do. What impact, you know, what's the negative impact on nature, on birds, on animals, on trees? You know, like, it it can't all be good, right?
1: Well, there is disturbance, definitely. I think in woodland, it's not so bad, really. I don't, I think the biggest problem is of some some of the more open grasslands where the the soils are really um delicate and lots of wildflowers and insects rely on this sort of very very delicate soil structure and you sometimes can get some bikes and other vehicles which aren't supposed to be on there can can cause damage but i don't think a huge problem from yelping and and i actually think i've thought about this a lot and I think there's a greater benefit of people coming out and enjoying these places. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And, um, cycling into a branch. Uh, and.
0: Oh, it's alright. Hello.
1: Uh, it's alright. We're we'll going really slow. It's a lovely little doggy. It's alright. You just. <laughs> yeah. It's a very enthusiastic dog that was just wanting to throw himself under a. <laughs> Uh, poor old jack's got to deal with that um yeah i, I think the more people who come out and enjoy these places then the more likely they are to protect them if they're ever threatened or yep. perhaps tell friends about it and so i didn't mean to learn it i actually read a
0: a news story which came out yesterday about a a scientific sort of report, almost an anthropological report, and it said that they'd studied cyclists, mountain bikers, and they found that those who went out regularly did have more of a connection to local wildlife and environmental concerns, I guess, because instead of being cooped up in a city and not really realising about whether it's deforestation or forest fires in the US and all this sort of stuff, that actually there was arguably more of a connection to it so
1: I think that's really logical I think it makes a lot of sense mm. and if you don't if you're out enjoying it you're gonna want it to want s- to protect want these, it and, and yeah even if it's just using those paths it's much more fun I'm sure to, to cycle in a natural environment yeah. than to go through a sort of concrete yeah uh, there's a growing
0: organization called trash free trails which has only spring up in the last couple of years trash free trails yeah okay. and, and that's as um, that's, <laughs> that's sort of the, the name suggests, it's a very grassroots, all
1: over the UK, um, litter picking while you're out riding. And... Oh, I approve of that, because I've I got to say, I, I used to live up on uh, the Blorange Mountain in um, Brecon Beacons, and there was a really lovely, unofficial uh, mountain bike trail that just a few local people had created. But I would go around and pick up the um, mm. energy drinks cans, yeah. which did upset me a bit because obviously they were really enjoying the, the the place, but would leave tons of these things. And yeah. pick up 50 or 60 every month or so. And so that so there is some sort of recognition that that can be a problem. Yeah,
0: it feels like you know you see a lot of the you know the, the I guess influencers or sort of moderately famous riders on on social media they're often now going out and sharing the pictures of the cans and yeah, the wrappers okay. that they're picking up
1: that's good i think a lot of people would be really pleased to hear that yeah that's, that's possibly the only downside i've come across and i say that's that's noticeably increased in the last 12 months really I think, I think this is, I mean, you know, without over, over-egging it, I think this is probably the one thing I would save my money up for. Yeah. Uh, this would change my life for the better. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it, really. It really is a, a total revelation to me. You know? I think it sort of... It, it would make me use the car a lot less as well, just for the... Little local trips out to beautiful places.
0: Yeah, says, and here we've just spotted a no cycling
1: sign, so we ah, probably okay. won't cycle through there. No, no, I think that's probably, and that will be to stop disturbance of the wildlife. Right. And uh, mm. and, and you know there will be some flora in there that will be growing close uh-huh. to the paths, and there'll be. Is there anything we can? I mean, there's some ferns and stuff. This is but. a really. There's a great. Says the nursery pond here. Uh, I remember as being. So there are places that, how can I say this clearly without stumbling around, sometimes you find a place in in the wild, out in the countryside, and it's just so full of wildlife, you think. This is just unbelievable mm. miracle of so buzzing with life. The pond's here in like early April, so full of toads. You can't believe it. Huh. It's like, it just becomes like a toad. Well, orgy, really, it's yeah. just a... Uh, I thought there's a lot of red wings here with those Scandinavian thrushes, so that high-pitched... Uh-huh, that one. Yeah, that's, these are red wings, kinda difficult to see them. But anyway, the ponds here, just remember sitting by them one time, just so much bird life, dragonflies, all sorts of things, and it just felt like you get a real sense of nature's in control, not humans, mm. and that's a nice feeling sometimes. Isn't mm. it? Actually, uh, some of your questions have prompted me to think why do I like being out in nature? Uh, and it's, it is, yeah, I love seeing beautiful things, hearing lovely birdsong, and being just inspired by, but it does give me sort of inner peace. Mm. And we talked a lot about voices of the countryside, it's quite nice to get rid of the internal voice sometimes <laughs> and just let landscape speak and uh, let you know, just just. Be taken out of yourself. Mm-hmm. I, find I that's. I don't really get deeply down about things because I know there's always nature out there uh-huh. that is always going on, a, going about its business. I can always kind of escape into that. Mm-hmm. However bad yeah. anything gets in life, work or home, whatever. Yeah. There's always that kind of, and I, th- I think it's it's there for everybody. But uh, it, it can sort of it can be a great crutch for me.
0: What would you recommend you know for our like the bike Raider listeners to? Uh, what would you recommend they go and do in terms of sort of seeing a bit of nature? Is it just sort oh. of stopping at the side of the trail just oh, for I a would few just minutes? Stop and, and
1: stop for briefly and and just 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 I mean it doesn't take long five minutes of just listening, mm-hmm. just being there and don't get the phone out for five mm-hmm. minutes or don't check the where you are or whatever. Um, <laughs> I think it's particularly by water. Mm-hmm. I think by it being by water. If you just want to calm down, sit by a little river or a yeah. or a pond just for 5 minutes and I find that well, it works for me. I don't yeah. know if it work for everybody, and I think it. But it's oh god it's, it's a hovering on the on the pedals for too long. Um, I think it's proven that being outside just well, there's lots and lots of sort of uh studies into hospitals whose uh, windows face mm-hmm. either concrete or woodland and the people who uh, patients who face the woodland get better quicker yeah so i mean that's a very basic one but there's yeah, yeah, there's yeah. lots of stuff like that schools that are built with Not lots that. of trees and things for kids learn faster if you teach kids outside in nature <laughs> they tend to remember things better mm-hmm. um, just good for anxiety good for so there's I mean it's not a universal cure all and, and mm. as Hannah said do you remember she gets when you when you see bad things happening to nature it can I, I can get come home and feel like why has someone just trashed that woodland or why yeah, yeah, has yeah. someone done all that yeah. fly tipping or who shot that buzzard it's that yeah. sort of thing is but mostly I mean, if we if we were to I mean, we're not going to sit and meditate but if we were to sit here 20 minutes just listening to the birds guarantee brings you obviously you want your blood pumping when you're out cycling Mm. and you want to have that adrenaline but I think it's that balance of uh, high action and then realizing that we also need the quiet times I think just as I get older as well I need more of that sort of reflective stuff and less of the high octane although I've really enjoyed the high (laughs) octane stuff today (laughs) turbo mode every time yeah Look at the lichens, or like the lichen on the end of the branches here. So the sort of fluffy, kind of greenish, mm. like cotton wool almost. It's quite fronds. of. That's a sign that it's really good quality air up here. Oh, it yeah. It doesn't, doesn't survive in heavily polluted air. OK. So, um,
0: What's it called, that stuff?
1: Lichen. Oh, so, oh yeah. Oh,
0: sorry. <laughs> is, is it what, what um, species? Oh, oh,
1: I have no idea. Oh, okay. there, are, there are hundreds of different lichens. Sure. Like that. So if it was
0: like the old man's beard we saw. Oh, earlier. Oh yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. My, my, you, you've, re, you, you've very quickly got to the end of my knowledge <laughs> of lichens. There. Um, I mean, there's some that lives on live on the trunks on the limbs of trees. Gravestones are a good place to find yeah. lichen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. date quite easily gravestones with the lichen on there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think. I th- well your, your expertise is already better than mine <laughs> uh, there are lichenologists in fact we've been pitched a lichen podcasts, so it's just the audio lichen's harder to catch it. yeah perhaps we might have to leave a mic by some lichen for like 100 years and then <laughs> sort of hear it gradually crawl it because it's not I don't think it's a plant I think it's like half fungus half plant I right. I mean, so we are quarry now quarry. in a quarry yeah now we're surrounded by a uh, big shifting machinery and it is a there's an old caravan here lots of rusty equipment is this still this in use It's still
0: it? in operation yet. so oh. I've come up here when there have been you know there's, there's people here moving stones around um, blasting very occasionally and um, it doesn't it's probably not the most productive quarry in the world
1: <laughs> well the, the machinery looks like the teleporter and the uh, the cat digger, don't look in the best of health.
0: <laughs> the three wheel <laughs> teleporter, yeah, which yeah, yeah, yeah. did have four wheels once.
1: Someone's propped it up and nicked it. It's, uh,
0: yeah, I know, right. I've seen people up here and, and we're just above, there's a big quarry behind us, yeah. which is no longer in use.
1: Oh yeah, yeah massive, carved, you see the bare rock, but obviously the vegetation's growing mm. out of the rock face.
0: But more interesting, we, we haven't seen it, but down at the bottom of the hill is uh, a working coal mine still. And quite often on will cycle through there and there's, you know, there'll be guys pulling out coal from underneath this hill right here still. Which is really, I think it's really...
1: That's incredible. You just
0: don't think, you know, this is like micro-mining. You know, mining on a tiny scale, but yeah. it's still obviously relevant and, and, and happening.
1: Um, no, I have read somewhere that people have like commoners rights. Yes, yeah. To, to, to be free miners or something? Yeah. Uh, I don't know why you'd really volunteer to do that, or, or not volunteer, but you know, if you, you didn't have to, but perhaps there's a, yeah. a deep, visceral joy in, in bringing black gold out of the earth. And yeah. That's it.
0: I think, it's, I think it's amazing that it's still happening, like, on such a small scale. Yeah. yeah this,
1: is a, this is a very evocative place, It it's so kind of moody. Mm. this rock face and all the splintered rock everywhere and these g- great ugly machines that look as if they've just sort of they've just fallen asleep could come alive at any stage <laughs> yeah
0: what's that then a crow
1: yeah that's a crow. Not just a but that nice sort of evocative uh call of a winter's day lots of siskins around as well and a really rapey looking caravan so someone obviously when they when they're working up here. Probably hasn't been lived in for a while by the look of things, but...
0: well, they have had um, larch... Is it larch dieback or the, the, the trees...? A- ash doesn't... dieback ash is dieback. The,
1: Yeah, hopefully they wouldn't be clearing it deep in the forest. Well, they, they tend to clear the ashes... It's a horribly sad story, but... They tend to clear the ashes along the roads... Right. ...and where, you know, a lot of people hang out. So in okay. more public places mainly for probably for insurance reasons and for, you know, for health and safety but deep in the forest i hope they leave the ashes to come to the end of their lives because uh, they can provide still amazing habitats for you know, woodpeckers for a start but all sorts of invertebrates all sorts of creatures uh-huh. feed on dead wood so if they get rid of all the ashes you like it's- instantly taking out a massive amount of right, okay. special habitat. So
0: they take out the ones by the people to prevent it from spreading, but if it, if Well, they're... no,
1: not from spreading, more to prevent it from... because as they're dying they're dropping limbs and can uh, be a danger. Okay. Yeah, so more the problem is they can't stop it spreading now, it's too late. Right. There was never a way of stopping it spreading. Uh, we just don't have... The technology or understanding or maybe it's impossible to stop airborne kind of fungal infections right Okay. So that's what it is really
0: so the ride and the bikes isn't necessarily the most comfortable today because because it's so cold i thought the last thing we're going to want today is some punctures so i've put extra air in the tires so Getting bumped around a bit. Normally it'd be a little bit more comfortable than it is today.
1: Oh really? Okay. T- telling us now at the end of the Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just felt I yeah. did actually buy some tyre levers in the shop before we left just to make sure that if we did get a puncture we'd be alright, but yeah. it's the last thing we want. I guess it's sort of easy to forget that like this is commercial forestry, a lot of this and Yeah, so it's still a works landscape Within it? you know, within sort of like cycling culture mountain bike culture, you know, there's A lot of these commercial forests have trails in them like these ones. And you know, when the foresters come along and and chop the trees because they're of that age, I feel so you know, it's not fair why they're doing it here and all this sort of stuff. And I guess you have to remember that they're here for commercial reasons first.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: there is a time that they need to be cut. But
1: Yes, I I think that's an important point that actually it's it's pretty good of them to create the trails really mm. um and i think there should be good it kind of needs goodwill on all sides but uh
0: yeah and there's certainly pre- you know there's there's areas now where they're recognizing even like unofficial trails foresters are being asked to be a bit more mindful of the tracks that have been built there yeah um you see this is one of the nat- you know one of the official sanctioned trails Oh,
1: so it's got a three it's got a, a sort of code for... Yep, so those three
0: dots mean it's a bit more technical, so a bit ah, steeper, might have got some bigger jumps in there. Ah, okay. So this is, um, these blue signs are the official trails in the Forest of Dean, this oh. one's called Verderers, which is like uh, one step up from the family trail, so a bit of single track.
1: Right, okay. And
0: they're just like really good fun and bring a lot of people to the forest, really.
1: So those are durable for most abilities. Yeah, if you I want mean, a most people bit of... could
0: sort of rattle, we, we
1: could go and rattle down it if you want. Yeah, shall we? We could do what a section of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, let's. Yeah, it'd be fun. Oh, little challenge at the end, Jack. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, this is great. It's a nice, smooth downhill. Nothing I would attempt on my own bike ever. It's, this is wonderful. This is not too difficult or dangerous. There's a big banked turn coming up, so you go up onto it and then it flings you down, up and around. And we're descending rapidly. Tom is disappearing into the distance. So, as your first taste of single track focus, you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved that. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Yeah, i would do that again. Yeah. Uh, because you, you just have to focus on it completely, um, I mean I do anyway, but I, and it takes you out of yourself. Again, it's a great way of being in the moment and doing something exciting. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about nature at all, I was just thinking <laughs> about this is a lovely, blissful experience of speed and a little bit of skill, but mostly just whizzing downhill yeah. through the woods. Yeah, this is sort of what we, what a
0: lot of us do it for, really, is that yeah. that feeling of uh, yeah, a bit I, of adrenaline, a bit of. I
1: totally
0: yeah. get it. I totally get it. Thanks so much, folks, for so, sort of introducing us to a, <laughs> a bit more of what we might see if we if we don't spend so much time staring at the trail in front of us.
1: Well, do you know what? I think there's a bit of com- our Venn diagrams have overlapped. I, you've converted me to, a bit more of the sort of joy of riding around and and seeing the countryside but also there was there was a lot of thrills there but also I've managed to get out and see a lot more of the forest than I ever would on yeah. foot it's given me a different perspective on things yeah. and I've got a real insight into your world yeah uh, I mean uh, I'd, I'd I'd be out here I'm going to join your world a little bit more
0: please do yeah um, I mean I it's think. fascinating just like your knowledge of like what you can see you now. like I see a bird and I can hear a bird but like knowing what might be out there like it's really cool like you know all the stories said about like the 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 nature's butcher the butcher bird hanging its lizards up on the on thorny bushes and yeah. well so it's, it's amazing the great like I think.
1: very shrike yeah it's well named it's a kind of there's yeah. a lot of great things out there um and and if you're cycling in the forest in a couple of weeks time you'll, you'll see, a bit have, more. see a few adders along the sides of the tracks yeah. and things like that
0: so yeah i guess um, I guess to our bike radio readers, you know, like go out for your ride and have a lot of fun. But, you know, if you can take five minutes just to sit by the side, pick a spot by some water, you said, and, yeah, and see what you can see. Because there, there is so much out there that we don't yeah. see on a day to day basis.
1: And champion it is the other thing. Mm. The last thing I say is champion it to everyone, because you know, we're out here, I'm enjoying nature, enjoying the bikes uh, mm. and we've both enjoyed each each other's sort of mm. fun. But it won't be here unless we, unless we all kind of team up and, and work together to, to protect it. So yeah. enjoy it and, and keep it for everybody. So, we're, yeah, hopefully we can make more friends across the nature bicycle yeah. world. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Fergus. Cheers. It's great. A pleasure.
1: Let's do it again. Thank
0: you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.